you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in this world right now that's not to the best of humanity. One of the things that's been on my mind that I need to get off my chest is what has happened in Minneapolis and what is going on right now. This is just a little snippet of what my friend Don posted on Friday afternoon. How do we stand in solidarity and make it known that we will no longer tolerate hate and ignorance? How do we create a society that makes the consequences for such actions severe enough that those whose hearts are filled with hate think twice, or better yet, think with compassion, grow a conscience, see differently? How do we create a society where every individual feels safe to exist and be? She went on to say, Let all of our hearts that are filled with love and compassion spread across our globe to soften and heal those filled with hate. Let our voices, our hearts, our intentions of equal and fair treatment for all beings be a reality. This recording was made on Thursday evening prior to the arrest of Officer Derek Chauvin. Since then, he has been arrested and charged with third-degree murder and his wife, has filed for divorce. Hi, this is Chuck Tuck, and I am the host of The Open Mic Show with Chuck. And today's guest and friend, once again, to join me in today's discussion is Sean Ost. Crazy times, but people are not focusing on the impact of their words and actions. And they focus on their intent instead of their words and their actions. And sometimes that intent is intentionally wrong, bad. Or or it could be naive. It could be that their lack of awareness is overshadowing their wrongness. And that they're completely ignorant of their intent. Yeah, that's true, but it depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> so, today, George George Floyd and what's happening in Minneapolis. Can you freaking right. believe it? Jeez. It's tough to believe in the United States of America in the year 2020, that, uh, you know, George got shot dead on the side of the street. I have to admit, it's a little hard to believe. Oops, he didn't get shot dead. He's dead. He didn't get shot dead. Nope, but he's dead. He didn't get shot. But he's... I thought he got shot. No. Uh, this is the one where uh, the uh, the four cops, uh, and the one was putting his knee uh, on his neck. And he was yelling, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. But he had his knee on his neck. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just crazy. So, uh, yeah, it was just like it was over a, um, he tried to pass along a uh, counterfeit $20 bill at a store. Um, and so, you know, he used that 20 or tried to use it or something, and they didn't, they caught it, and he went outside, and he was still hanging around outside, so one of the employees just called the cops and said, hey, there's this guy that tried to uh, pass along a counterfeit $20 bill. Come to our store. 
And uh, so, our, so we're talking a little bit about like white privilege. We're talking about racism. We're talking about bias. We're talking about all of the above today. Yeah, but you know, it's I hate to make it about the race thing, and it's so hard to say it was this about race or is it about it's hard to say that it's not about the art word yeah i mean that is true too um it's just crazy because i i I think a, a lot of racism and bias is invisible to people like me who are white caucasian americans who just think that you know um Everybody lives by the same standard, but the more people of color that I that I talk to, the more that I realize that that's just not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me, I'm a mixed breed. <laughs> but you're you're right. I mean, um, there, are, unfortunately, still in this day and age, there's biases. Um, and it comes down to the color of your skin um, more more often than not. Uh, so Odds are if it were me that had done that, you know, they would have arrested me. I would have said, hey, you know, you guys, just, t- you know, take me to jail. I probably wouldn't have resisted. Um, I probably just would have said, hey, you know, this is a bunch of crap. And they probably would have put me in a car. They would have been afraid of what I would have said. And I'd be sitting in the county jail cell. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or you could have said, hey, man, I didn't know it was a fake $20 bill. I got it from the store down the street. Or I got it from my buddy. And you would have maybe gotten a slap on the wrist. Maybe. Uh, Definitely maybe. And what state was this in? uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, The crazy thing is the mayor, he actually came out. I think it was on like CNN or one of the news channels or something. And he said that this constitutes a murder and that cop needs to be charged. That is so that's pretty uh, politically charged right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think so that statement is definitely focused on the impact of what happened, not necessarily on the intent. Now, I bet if you were to interview the officers, I'm sure their their perception would be different. But um you know, I, I think we need to take a breath, we need to recognize um that the people who are, you know, offended, who are, you know, aboard, who are horrified that this murder occurred, you know, we need to affirm all of those people. We need to um, look at their experience of this. And, um, you know, it's as simple as saying, I'm hearing what you've said by acknowledging, but all of the people who say this, was a murder. Yeah, and it, it really and, is a murder. Right, and it's not like it's not like saying, you know, it, if you're offended by this, it, it, it's more like saying 
if you acknowledge this was a murder. It's not a typical he said, she said in, in regard to perception. It's about people who feel marginalized versus the people who are marginalized. Yeah. You know, so cops have body cams and things like that nowadays. A lot of them do. Some don't. A lot don't. You know, these guys, right. I guess, at least somebody had a body cam. But what's crazy is they were claiming that he was resisting arrest when they pulled him out of the car. Apparently, he was, you know, they came, they got him, they put him in the car. They're still in front of the store. Then they pulled him out of the car. And that's when they were saying that he resisted arrest. Um, but a bystander had a video from his phone, I'm presuming, plus the store had a camera, and there's those other cameras. It did not show him resisting at all. He was handcuffed. Um, at one point, it showed him coming out, looks like from the car. They go up against the uh, the wall, I'm assuming, of, of the store, and they just put him against the wall, and he just leaned and you know, kind of sat down. Uh, and then after that, I don't know... Um, what transpired, but then next thing that they were showing is he's on the ground by the cop car. Um, hopefully, I'm getting That's this my right. understanding, yeah. and that like he was gone after that. Uh, yeah, after the knee was put on his neck, and he was right, saying, right. you know, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now, I guess there's a family member there asking one of the other cops, saying, hey, can you let up? He's saying he can't breathe. And the crazy thing is, so there's four cops involved. The the guy with his knee on on uh, Floyd's neck um, was a white cop. Um, I think there's another white cop, and then I, I think there's like a an Asian cop, and then I'm not for sure what the ethnicity or anything of the background of the other cop was. But you know, you had a mixed race there. You didn't have a black cop, but still. Okay. The thing I wonder is. Or I ask myself is why when you have multiple cops around like that and you see one that's kind of, you know, back of your mind, you got to be thinking, all right, my partner there is getting a little out of control. Why isn't it that the cops never, seemingly never say, um, hey, hey, let's ease up a little bit. We, we got it handled, right? Let's ease up on the guy or whatever it might be um, or do a little intervention. Um, cause this, uh, the... So, the likely reason for that is that even though African-American males are typically 10% of the population, they overrepresent, statistically speaking, in regards to the percentage of crime compared against the rest of the population by ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And so... What we're starting to get into is kind of racial bias and uh, the proportion of the amount of crimes committed regarding uh, total crimes committed and the ethnicity of total crimes committed. And in a lot of areas, African-American males represent uh, more than twice of their statistical uh, populations by average in regard to the total number of crimes committed. So let's say uh, on average, if they're 10% of the population, they're going to be, you know, more than 20% of the total crimes committed. 
you know, per ethnicity, uh, in the context of total crimes committed, and you know, more than uh, doubling the statistical representation of their uh, ethnic minority in in regard to the total amount of crimes committed. Now, that might seem like a mouthful, but it's relevant in this conversation. Now, and what I mean by that is when when someone like this is committing a crime, it's not like it's not like someone, you know, like a 48-year-old white male would be treated if you were shoplifting at a 7-Eleven. Um, you know, it, you know, we are talking worlds of difference here. It is, it is not like, uh, you know, um, <laughs> oranges and tangerines here. It is kumquats and oranges it is black and white so right right it is it, it's a world of difference in in regard to perception in how how little regard and and kind of how law enforcement is going to expect especially in certain areas african american males to be the culprit or the suspect, you know, of any given crime, you know, over and above, you know, uh, anybody who's Latina or Caucasian or Asian, you know, because there's, uh, you know, in certain areas of the United States, African-American males compose such a large majority of the, uh, you know, criminal agonists in a particular area. And I really think that's what we're talking about in this conversation. So, you, uh, you, you think then that this is because, is it uh, naivety or is it because of a straight up stereotyping um, because of um, the statistics that you're speaking of? Do you think that is uh, I the think thing it's in most probably cases? both. I, I think it's a combination of those things. And, and again, it goes by demographics. You know, it depends on which state you're in, depends on which major metropolitan city you're in. But, um, you know, in, in certain cities, and there are many of them, you know, African-American males are going to be, you know, by and large, your most statistically significant population who's committing crime. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, all African-American people are bad. What it means is that you have a, one demographic that's committing crimes more than the other. That's all that it means. But, but how it that... translates mm -hmm. to law enforcement officers who are working a really stressful and difficult job is that they're going to look for a certain type of person, a certain type of gender, with a certain color of skin, who is committing a crime. But does that warrant um, uh, does that warrant a behavior? <clears throat> Like, like, no, we've been hearing, no. you know, some of these cops that, that they're being, yeah. 
No. O- overly aggressive. Doesn't. No, of course it doesn't. And I think it's it's getting into your point of, you know, does this does this affirm the statistics? It probably doesn't. Because usually black African American males are ten percent of the population. Now, twenty percent of the crime in a given area, that still leaves eighty percent of all other demographics to be committed crimes. Right. So so it's about racial attitudes. That's what we're really talking about. So it also then, it sounds like to me, it's being naive, like we've kind of uh, defined that. Uh, right. Naivety. And also, could it be a partial fear of these white cops or whatever cops that are doing these things to uh, the, the black men or even and maybe some Latinos? That is most certainly the other side of the spectrum, right? Because, you know, with, with one side, we have bias of, okay, well, we expect these black males between 18 and 25 is he committing these crimes and are the most likely to be murdered by another black male between 18 and 25 but what's what's the other side of these statistics that we're failing to look at that we failed to acknowledge as a largest as a largest society what are we failing to do about it what are we failing to look at yeah, what are we failing to look at? I think we're failing to look at our our bias. We're failing to look at our collective biases as a police force, as American culture. In statistical reporting, I think we're failing to acknowledge things that we want to avoid that are inconvenient topics in popular media. So what can be uh, done about this as far as training cops? Or is it, like you said, a lot of this has to do with demographics. Do we train cops just in certain demographic uh, areas? Or do we train train or retrain cops in all areas? Or do we implement uh, has, additional I, I training? I think it has to be in all areas. Okay. Now, how about if I throw this out at you? So in this particular situation, that particular officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, I think it was, um, he had 18 complaints filed against him with the Department of Internal Affairs. 18, and only two of them had been resolved with um, uh, like some sort of reprimand or something. So that means that puts 16 unresolved so why is he still on the force why are cops like that that get all these complaints um whether it be they be closed files so it's not public uh, knowledge um why are they still on the force why aren't they being retrained or why aren't they being let go and then if they are let go why are they able to go someplace else and get a job as a cop cop again i don't know that why? Well, I think it's safe to assume, unfortunately, that they're more likely than not going to be protected by their city council, 
They're going to be protected by their chamber of commerce. They're going to be protected by their chief of police. They're going to be protected by every institutional construct around them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is absolutely right on that. Um, so I would like to invite you to just kind of uh, talk openly uh, in a sense of a Freudian free association about why you think that might be. Why do you think the institutions at large in all municipalities across the United States are going to protect their municipal police forces, their county police forces, and even their state police, and shield them from allegations uh, in topics like this. Yeah, you know, I have, I, I don't know, and I would have to gather, uh, assume that majority of them that are being protected would be of like. Uh, a white nationality of some sort, uh, definitely not black or Hispanic or, you know, brown or black color or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know why there would be that type of protection, um, if that's what we'll call it. But I, I will say one thing, I'm whether it's black, white, red, yellow, whatever, I am, for one thing, I am glad that we do not um, jump to conclusions uh, other than the general public as to what happened because that I think would be worse because we could be filing charges against somebody who uh, it was warranted that they use that type of um, uh, aggressive behavior towards um, an assailant or something like that Um, so let's Let's uh, take that a step further for a second. So let's say we're focusing on the impact of what happened versus the intent of the officer. We're going to assume that the officer uh, is culturally incompetent. We're going to assume that the officer is culturally naive. Now, what do we assume from that? How does that impact you as someone who's non-white as opposed to me who's someone who is white? Well, when you speak Let's of... say that same officer pulls us both over for the same traffic infraction. You think that officer's going to enforce that infraction differently because you are non-white well, as like, opposed to me like you're who's saying, white? If from where we live, uh, chances are probably slimmer than um, the chances of it being a possibility. But if we were someplace else, uh, Minneapolis, Chicago, um, but I, I want to stick with uh, with George Floyd and everything was going on there because part of this conversation today is not just about the injustice that uh, whether it be minority men in particular that are receiving from 
um, from cops. Uh, it, it's it's the immediate outcome is probably the wrong word to use, but uh, the immediate response from the general public and general public, meaning that if it's a minority black male that was murdered or had injust done to him by a white officer, I think it's nuts and crazy that people start rioting, that they start looting and doing all that. That, to me, is a huge crime, and it does not do any anything. Is it, is it really if people feel so disenfranchised for so long that they see something like this happen and they're so frustrated and they've been so frustrated for so long that this that they feel is their time to lash out at the man. You know, like like George Carlin talked about, you know, um, it's time to, you know, lash out and take the man down for all of these bad decisions. Yeah, but they're not taking down the man. All they're doing is taking down the next brother standing next to them because they don't know who owns that store. And and in this situation, and also in many situations that uh, something like this happens where it's at a small mom-and-pop store, it's it's minority doing something to a minority. And then next thing you know, the whole neighborhood is turning over cars, lighting things on fire, um, it, you know, it, like I said, it, it becomes brother hurting a brother. That's what it comes down to. And that's what to me is a huge shame. And it's a crime, especially this happening, you know, at this point in time when unemployment is so low, everybody is hurting and people go out there and do that. And it's nuts that they destroy and loot. I mean, this, it's crazy what I've seen on the internet. I mean, awful. You should see what they've done to tar- one of the Target stores there. It's just nuts if you haven't seen that video already. It's crazy. So, um, uh, you know, on that point, what, I mean, are you saying that it's, uh, it's? I don't want to use the word okay, and I keep saying I don't want to, I don't want to, but um, you, you feel that it's justified for a group of people to lash out when something like that happens? Well, let me say, to be clear, I'm not saying it's justified, but I am saying when a large demographic of Americans perceive something collectively in such a way that they feel compelled to react in this rebellious manner collectively, they apparently feel wrong. But does that make any sense? They feel wrong, so they're going to do somebody else wrong. That doesn't make sense. I mean, I... Well, uh, I, I think we need to stop for a second and get out of our own head. And we need to look at, do they feel angry versus stress or any other emotion? And are they valid in their anger? They're valid in their anger. Yeah. Are they valid in their anger? 
are we wrong in in our you know i think we need to ask ourselves at the same time that that we might be judgmental of another you know group or subgroup's anger we need to take a look at ourselves and ask our group and and perhaps our group is a subgroup now maybe it is maybe it's not in total numbers, I don't know, but I think the question remains valid. Is our supposition invalid? Is our presupposition that our belief, our perception, is it valid or is it not? It's valid. If it's not, if, if, our, if our group is not if our group perception is not valid, then it's not. Well, it's it's valid to be angry. That's for sure. But um, if I'm in that group or subset of the group and somebody did something to somebody that's in my group, it still does not give me the right to lash out with my angry behavior um, and do that. So... So put it this way, it it would be like me saying um, that really pissed me off. So I walked down the street and I decked the first guy that I saw and I beat the crud out of him. Is that okay? I mean, no, obviously but, not. No, but that's the that is pretty much the same thing. You're kind of saying, well, you know, the group of people are, are lashing out um, as a mob mentality, a group. So. It's they're kind of sort of justified by uh, damaging things and breaking into stores. I mean, that's how they behave, but my behavior might well, be I'm going to beat the crud out of somebody so, because that's how I release my stress and anger. But and neither one so, are okay. So I'm not saying that just because a certain group reacts in a certain way means that that's like, oh, that's totally fine. Oh, you know, I... I <laughs> go ahead and stab your brother or shoot him in the face. No, you know, I, I'm not saying that either one of those things are okay. But, but what I am saying is that we need to pay close attention to how groups react. Yes. And, and, and to be dismissive of a type of reaction if the feeling is emotionally intense or strong, uh, I think is unwise. I think that um, that is naive in a magnitude that equates to ignoring a significant reaction of one of the other minority groups. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear where you're coming from. And I'll say I understand it, but I still say it does not justify um, the Well, the so actions. here's the thing is I'm not trying to justify it. What I am trying to communicate is that we all need to try to tune in to how other groups react to what's happening around us. And I'm not saying that, like, murder is okay. I'm not saying that, like, Violent assault is okay. I don't want to communicate that at all. 
what I am really trying to get at is I want to look at each one of you who's listening right now, and I want to look you in the eye, and I want to just appeal to you as an individual, as a human being. And I want to appeal to your heart, your mind, and your soul, and I want to look at you square in the eye. And I just want to appeal to you and, and say, do you validate taking someone's life because you disagree with their behavior in any kind of way? Or do you validate, do you embrace taking someone's life who may be naive, who may have been raised in a way that endorses a point of view that says, hey, you know what, all these kind of Uncle Tom laws, you know, they're okay, you know, it's the way I was raised, and F all you guys, I, I think, you know, all of this is okay. There's got to be a way to reconcile all of this. There's got to be a way to rein things back and say, look, all of you, everyone, everywhere, murder is not okay. If you kill someone, we're going to put your ass in jail. If you stab someone, we're going to put your ass in jail. If you shoot someone of a race, we're going to put your ass in jail, and it's going to be for a long, long time. Right, but none of that happened here. We have to put this stuff to bed. I think we as a nation are mandated to put this stuff to bed. And we need to have firm, firm, rock solid boundaries with people who violate these laws. All right, so with that being said then, would you say the cop that put his knee on uh, Floyd's neck and the result was death, should that cop be uh what type of punishment does he just get fired i mean they've all been fired does he go to prison does he get tried for murder because in this case what uh, you're saying I think in order he should to be, be fair he should be tried for murder. yeah 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 but let's reel it back and bring it back to the rioting and all that kind of stuff because that that again um the outcome of what's happening so far with all the riots, there's already been one person killed. So here we have a minority man that has been killed by a cop. We have people who are getting mad. Now, I will say that the family of Floyd, the Floyd's family members have been saying that they want um, a peaceful protest. And, that, you know, a lot of family members say that all the time if something happens like this. They want a, a peaceful protest. But I... For some reason, somehow, a lot of folks, a lot of people take it into their heads that this is the time for me to, as you put it before, like, lash out. Now, are they lashing out because of what happened? Or, you know, are they using it as an excuse to steal, to riot? And like I said, look what happened. One other person now has been killed because of this situation. And I don't know the race, but you're getting to another swamp of maybe because there are a lot of people who feel wrong, right? But it still doesn't give anybody the right people who feel wrong, right? Absolutely, and I hear what you're saying, but 
we're getting to another territory of a lot of people who feel wronged by, quote-unquote, the man or the system. Right? And, and I work for the state. I work for, quote-unquote, the system. And it's, and it's hard for me to divorce myself from the two because I'm both. Not only am I a state employee, and I take people's children away if people mess up bad enough, but I'm also that person who is a Caucasian male and who will take your children away. Right, but let, let's just take let's just take color and race out of all of this thing and say, I'm just going to ask again, because somebody, because we'll say because your friend was murdered or killed by an authoritative group, um, some authority, does that give you justification? I'm not going to say right because the justification is a little bit different. I think, than the right to do. It, does it I think justify justification you? is a great adjective. It, it, does it give you, does it justify you to go and steal no. from another man, no. another store? Well, in a no. sense, that's what these guys are doing. And you're saying, you know, they have to be recognized um, the, for the wrongdoing that was done to their group. But I just come back and say what they're doing is doing no service to themselves, nor to the cause, nor to the person that was murdered, nor to their family when behavior like this happens. And I know it's not anything that we're going to be right. able to stop. Right. But, and it's an unfortunate thing. So, you know, hopefully people who are listening uh, more than just in the immediate area of uh, Washington State um, that they really think about this. And even people here in Washington, hopefully that they think about this and think, you know, there are, there are other solutions to go around and doing this. A lot of times things don't get done or we think things are happening too slow, but I, uh, oftentimes I think there's a reason for that. Um, and I know that if it was to happen to me or a family member, I would be, I would be pissed. I mean, I would be angered and hurt, but I would have to hope that I could reel myself back in and say, you know what, um, doing any type of other behavior like hurting somebody else or stealing or looting or you know acting out that way or lashing out is not going to resolve anything. Right, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. That, but I think more that it it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the cause. If I if I'm trying to say, you know, um. Minorities are being treated unfairly. Therefore, I'm going to go out and I'm going to break windows and say, you need to be fair or else I'm going to keep breaking windows. That doesn't get anything. It doesn't do anything. It, I think it detracts from uh, the message. And I think the message can be done in a, in a way where if you do go out and do a, um, a march or a protest in a peaceful way, you can disrupt things without causing damage. That that's right. that's what I'm for is disruption. You can disrupt, but not cause damage, and I'm okay with that. You know? Agreed, agreed. I, I think uh, I've seen a lot of protests, and more and more people are paying attention. Yeah. 
Um, and that's the other scary thing, too, that someday we'll get into where it's the mob mentality. You know, that changes a, that changes a lot of minds or it temporarily influences. But we'll get into that on another topic. But, <laughs> Both, no, but, for sure. but this is just like we were saying earlier. This is just crazy with uh, with what's happening there. And it's happening um, still way too often. Um, and mm-hmm. we'll say with the minority group of men, it's sad. Today's podcast was a discussion between two people, but we do know that there are still biases in this country as well as around the world, and it is about time that we bring that to a closure.